Good evening, everyone. Ashley Brown here. Welcome to our Hawks Insiders Thursday night safe space. Uh, it is Team Photo Day, which we'll get to very, very quickly. And the last Thursday space before the Hawks play some sort of footy, that being Wednesday's intra-club game that we, of course, will be all over. But we've got a lot to get through in a short period of time, next hour or so. So without any further ado, let me say good evening to my co-hosts, Andrew Weiss. Hello. Good evening, Ash. Good evening, everyone. Getting much, much, much more excited. It's starting to get a bit closer, a bit more news feeding through, a bit more chatter. So very, very exciting time. Darren Levine, hello. Hi, Ash. Hi, everyone. Yeah, echoing Andrew's sentiments, I think we're... um. We're well and truly in footy mode now, and I got pretty excited seeing the team photo, which I'm sure we will talk about pretty soon. Uh, Brad Clemente, hello. Evening, all. Great to be here again. Good to have you here. And Danny Prince, you made it. I did, yeah. Ash, thanks for having us, and uh, looking forward to talking uh, talking some Hawks stuff. There's plenty around in the last couple of days. There so. is a bit, just a bit of housekeeping before we get started. Um, Thanks to everyone for your support of Hawks Insiders. Uh, $5 a month, $50 a year. A few people have uh, paid some, uh, been paid, become paid subscribers this week. So we thank you uh, dearly for supporting what we do here. Um, we said so the first intra club game is on Wednesday. I think someone else might be doing a space that night or some sort of coverage, and uh, we urge you to support them. We're going to do a, a written piece out of that, and then we'll ha- we'll have an in-depth review of the intra-club game next Thursday on the regular space. But don't forget, two after that, spaces will be straight after practice games, which will be fantastic for us. So uh, diarise this 8.30 for the next few weeks because there'll be lots of fresh Hawthorne content to talk about. Also very pleased to say that uh, Peter Bird, a Hawthorne High Performance Manager, will be coming on a podcast, not the space, but we're going to do a podcast with him in the next few days. Uh, if you've got a question for Peter, a question you'd like us to ask him, hit us up on Twitter or just put it in the message field of this chat as well. We'll make note of it and we will be sure to ask Peter that question when we have a chat to him. I think we'll change him early next week ahead of the intra club game, which will be great. So, and we will turn that around really quickly. So, everybody, thank you. Let's buckle up for the next little while. As I said, our first order of business is the team photo. Well, this is a bit of breaking news, I guess, uh, we see in that uh, as the club put out on Instagram a, a quick shot of the group team photo taken out at Waverley today. And fed, I was in the car when this broke, so you guys probably more across it than I, I am. I did not look at it while I was driving. Uh, what did we see and what does it all mean? Well, Ash, our, uh, our virtual tongues were wagging, weren't they? There's a, a fair amount of furious typing in our WhatsApp group and, and through social media as well. Um, look, traditionally, the leadership group surrounds Sammy Mitchell uh, in the middle of his row in the team photo. Um, the seven guys surrounding him were certainly not um, too... Uh, wasn't too much of a surprise, but traditionally what we do see is uh, a captain and vice captain on either side of him. And, and the shot that's doing the round has Dylan Moore on Sam Mitchell's right and Sam Frost on his left. Now, um, there have been reports that a whole host of swapping between Sicily, who's next to Dylan Moore, 
and more was done through the shoot. So it's difficult to tell, but whether it means, you know, a, a more might be captain, Sicily's captain, we could have co-captains, but it does certainly point to um, Sam Frost potentially being in the leadership group, whether that's as a vice captain or in the leadership group itself. Um, the other guys around them were the names we're expecting. Um, so Mitch Lewis is there. Um, you had Carl Amon in that group of players. Yeah, it's my call from last week. Yeah, Frost, um, Moore, and Sicily. So have I... And uh, Lewis. Yeah, Lewis Mitch was Lewis was well. next, to, next to Sicily in the and shot. And also MP. And Jarman well. MP as well. So all names that we um, bandied around last week, but the intrigue around that photo with Sicily not being directly next to Sam Mitchell, we'll wait and see whether we're reading too much into it. Yes, well, I think if they've got everyone sort of tongues wagging, that it's it's delivered that uh, exact purpose because everybody uh, is sort of trying to interpret what it all means. It does make a whole lot of sense. These photo shoots tend to go for a very long time, and players, kids turn up. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of sponsors as well. Um, and smog, uh, smog. Um, has backed that up with a with a comment. Thanks, Morg, to say that on Nine News, the actual vision you can see Sicily and Moore swapping around. So again, um, whether or not they've done that to make sure it's not as obvious to the rest of the world who think that Sis is a, is an absolute cert to to be captain or not, we'll wait and see. Yeah, I think they're having a bit of fun with everybody, but. Uh... So, as I said, so many photos get taken. Players get, and they all have individual photos taken. They all shuffle around, and lots of various photos of the team photo takes place afterwards with full staff, with, uh, with, with the coaching staff, with the administration, with sponsors, players, kids. I mean, the famous one, you know, that saw the light before the draft, it was, uh, you know, Harry Sheasel was in the Hawthorne team photo several years ago because he's old man Dean. Uh, gave a bit of money to the club and uh, earned the right to have the photo. So, it, it, it I wouldn't be reading too much into it. It's certainly, a, you know, at the time, saw that one photo, thought, oh, here we go. That's that's an interesting statement. But more than likely, there are all sorts of photos during the rounds. And at some stage in the next few weeks, once the captain's announced, and the Herald Sun usually runs the official team photos before in their paper before they run around. They might have to get around the AFL record as well, I think. Um, we'll know for sure. In terms of when we get an announcement, the Hawks did put on their social media, I think, uh, the family day or season launch or something at uh, Bunjil Bagora on, I think, the last Sunday in February, whatever that is. Um, that might be... I would imagine it, it might well be... It might well be announced that day. That might be the uh, the carrot to get the media to the footy club that day for the announcement. I can't imagine it will go on any longer than that. And certainly there are contractual obligations, commercial obligations with the AFL, where actually you do have to name your captain a few, you know, a few, at least a few weeks out from the season, because then they've got the captain's day in a, in a couple of weeks at uh, Marvel or MCG, wherever they have it, where all the captains turn up. So it will be decided pretty soon, uh, but certainly the Hawks uh, uh, cleverly got tongues wagged today. Uh, as, as always, I forgot to say, if you've got a question, you want to be involved in the conversation, please... Uh, make a request to speak, and we will absolutely do our very best to get you on. Um, 
slightly related to that, uh, Darren, uh, is the announcement that uh, one of your favourite players, Dylan Moore, is, uh, signed a new three-year deal. Um, the club media really said, uh, uh, fed it off reasonable or strong interest in other clubs. I'm not quite sure at that level whether there were big offers coming for Dylan Moore from other clubs. Certainly would be a bit of interest. But uh, it's certainly a great outcome. We've mentioned a few times, but worth mentioning again, Darren, what an absolutely fantastic story it is where Dylan Moore's gone from the second last round of 2020 to where he is now. Yeah, it's an incredible story um, of, that, of that turnaround from the from a game in which you know he was he was just kind of playing out that season for his career and, and where he is now and just part of the deep fabric of this club and the next generation of leadership, whether that's as captain or co-captain or vice captain. It's very clear that he's going to be in that next generation of leaders for the club. Just love the way that he conducts himself off field, on field. Uh, if anyone really epitomises this new generation of Hawks, it's Dylan Moore. And, you know, he's an absolutely, you know, dyed-in-the-wool Hawks supporter as well, which which tends to help these days with the way that Sammy's constructed the team. So, yeah, I'm just so wrapped for him. And, and it, it's just a great example of how hard work and, and just doing all the right things can actually pay off massively. So, yeah, deserves every one of those three years and hopefully many more to come. Danny, who should be next? In terms of re-signings, yeah. uh, the list is quite long. Um, I'd like to see some of the younger, talented players uh, taken off the board straight away. So there's no pressure on them to perform. They can just go about it. So, you know, whether that's um, like the, the the Connor McDonald's, the um, Sam Butlers who all, have all come in on a two-year contract, I'd like to see them all stitched up pretty much straight away. And then, you know, we sort of will see a few of the guys that are playing for contracts and have to see how their performances go in the first half of the season as uh, and and then see who gets signed up from there. Look, the, the list is, I think, 17 or 18 players long that are out of contract at the end of the year. So, you know, the Hawks list management team have done a really good job in keeping flexibility. Um, but the reality is you've got to keep at least the majority of those, if not the vast majority. You know, your list, list turnover can't be 15 players every year. Um, you know, we probably have, we're probably looking at another eight, eight, you know, players coming off the list at the end of this year, but you wouldn't want too much more than that, I don't think, for another season. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it'll, it'll happen fairly regularly over the course of the season, but get those young players um, locked in and get them uh, ready to go so that they can concentrate on producing good footy. Brad, who should be next? Very good question, Ash. I put a tweet out uh, yesterday or was it uh, last night just with the players who we do have at out of contract at the end of 2023. And it's an interesting list. You've got Wingard, McDonald, Butler, Day, Jekka, Green, McGuinness, Kaczynski, Sarong, Blank, Warple, Impey, Bramble, Lynch, Long, Reeves, Seamus Mitchell and Tyler Brockman. Now, some may say only a handful of those are, you know, locks in the team. But that's pretty, you know, that's a list of pretty decent players. A lot of those players are going to play the majority of this season. But as we know, you know, at the start of each season, you know, you're probably going to be bringing in five, if not six players. So Will Day is one that we really need to lock away. Um, as Prinzi said, uh, Connor McDonald's obviously going to be a lock for our team for the next decade. Hopefully Sam Butler as well. But there's a few who are definitely in 2023 going to be playing for their careers. 
guys like um, Emerson Jacker, uh, Warple's probably one, uh, Ned Long's one, um, Tyler Brockman, Seamus uh, Mitchell, Josh Morris is another one. So it's uh, an interesting season. I know it's hard to talk about now because, you know, 2023 is only going to begin. And as Princey said, most of those guys will probably be signed up during the course of the year. But there will be probably at least five from that list who won't be on our team next year on the, uh, the list. But I think the most important one from that list to lock away ASAP or the, the most important two would be Connor McDonald and Will Day. Yeah, you've got to look at also like who... who... Who who is there going to be great demand for from other teams? Um, and Day would head that list. I think he'd be the one player that uh, other clubs would love to get their hands on. I'm sure the South Australian clubs are making very regular inquiries of his management to see whether he's got any desire to, to return home. And people might look at the uh, Ryan Burton uh, example and think, well, Hawthorne aren't all that keen to keep their South Australians anyway. So the question I'm sure will be asked of him. And yeah, and I think. Conor McDonald's another one that uh, you would want to get signed up pretty quickly. Um, we'll wait and see, but I think there'll be more announcements coming out of the club on a fairly steady basis as we get closer to the season. Um, so, more news out of the Hawks this week. Danny, you're an excellent piece, uh, which I'll just get you to talk through. Um, years of Hawthorne supporters looking with envy towards clubs like Geelong and the Bulldogs in particular when it comes to father-son um, and, and having great success with those. Hawthorne now has potentially three father-son players who could be getting to the club next year. For those who haven't read your piece on uh, the Substack, tell us who they are and tell us how they might uh, try and get them and, and what sort of players they are. Yeah, well, I mean, like you, like you some summarised really well, Ash, the Hawks have really struggled to have any sort of sustained luck or success with father-son prospects. The one real um, father-son gun that we had, we uh, traded to Sydney through lack of opportunity uh, and he became a champion of the AFL. So um, in this year, we're looking at uh, three potential father-son picks. The first one most people would have heard of if they listened to us in our Twitter spaces, uh, Will McCabe, who is the son of Luke McCabe, um, completely different player to his father, who was a small back pocket. Uh, Will is a 196 centimetre, very lightly framed, tall utility, uh, played a little bit up forward last year, a little bit on the wing, and... Um, won all Australian honours at under-16 level um, and MVP for South Australia at the national championships as a centre-half back. So he's what, he's 75, 76 kilos, well, he was at the end of last year. So he's got a bit, fair bit of filling out to do, but <clears throat> he's spent a couple of weeks at the Hawks uh, in pre-season already and, and didn't look out of place from, um, it was the word from people who saw him. Uh so that's that's Will and that's encouraging to visit that he's already been at Hawthorne for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and actually, actually, all three of them have spent time at Hawthorne. The, Ned McGuinness being the second one, and and Cal Shadir being the third. Uh, apparently, have all spent uh, a week or two at the Hawks this preseason. So um, I think you know developing those relationships, understanding what it's like to be a professional footballer, um, you know, training in that professional environment with. Um, the young group is is nothing but a good thing for these young guys as they go away and play their 
um, was it the Coach League um, this year. So, um, yeah, Ned, Ned McGuinness is a lightly framed midfielder uh, or half-forward flank. Um, and, Ash, I think you told me this, that um, the, there was some word in from the his junior club, his local footy club. The that, mighty um, East Brighton Vampires. Very, the mighty East Brighton Vampires, the Bloods, um, that he was uh, more high, highly rated than his older brother, Finn. So, um, they look, they different players, obviously, with Finn being uh, a man, like a beast of a man. Um, but Ned, obviously, having stepped, not stepped away from footy, but had concentration on rowing for a little while as well, uh, means that maybe hasn't had the same level of exposure to uh, top flight uh, underage footy. So there's a fair bit of development there for him. And he's got a gig at Sandringham Dragons this year in their NAB League or the Coates League squad. Uh, so it'd be really interesting to see how he goes. And he'll be partnered there by Kalsha Deer, who is a um, sort of medium tall forward um, who pinch hits in the ruck at junior level. We probably won't be able to do that at AFL level, but um, really solidly built uh, young bloke. And he's play- he's been playing in local footy for Bo Morris the last couple of years and kicked a couple of goals in their under-17 grand final um, game last year. So, yeah, three to keep an eye on in the coming season. Um, it's interesting with father son. You never really know what to believe. I mean, as I've heard from a couple of people that uh, that uh, Ned was a better player coming through the Vampires than Finn. I remember a lot of people getting very excited about Ben Kennedy was supposed to be better than Josh Kennedy, when Josh Kennedy was starting out at Hawthorne, and uh, great hopes were held for Ben, but he just didn't have the uh, just didn't have any real will to put himself through the pathways and, and play league, uh, try and become a league footballer. So with Ned, the fact that he uh, concentrated rowing for a while and then has come back to footy would suggest that uh, he, you know, he's, he's perhaps determined to give footy one big crack. So the question now, of course, is there is precedent, as you explained in the piece, Danny, that uh, if Hawthorne was to try and get three father-son selections through the door um, at the end of this season, how would they go about it? Yeah, look, it's definitely possible. And I think the... It only really becomes hard if Ned McGuinness and Carl Shadir have cracking seasons and really put themselves in the frame as, you know, uh, bolters for high up in the draft. Because the Hawks currently will have a first-round pick tied to their ladder position, which, uh, depending on who you listen to, should be somewhere uh, towards the, the bottom of the table. Um, then we have a second round pick, which is tied to the Western Bulldogs and a third round pick tied to the Western Bulldogs. So um, depending on where they finish, that's that's where that pick will fall. Um, we, you would expect, based on where Will McCabe is expected to sit at this stage, that we'd be able to definitely use our first round pick before we have to match a bit on, on Will. And, and, you know, unless... Unless he has a very good year, maybe even sneak our second round pick in there. Um, but if you look at what the the Bombers did this year, I think that's a good indicator as to what the Hawks might look to do. They um, <clears throat> managed to bring in Alwyn Davy Jr. They managed to bring in Jaden Davy, both sons of Alwyn Davy Sr., uh, and also Anthony Mankara as a next generation academy prospect. So they just because of where those players fell in the draft order, they were able to collect them all. And I guess the Hawks will be hoping for something similar, that Will McCabe falls in the 20s somewhere and that McGuinness and Deer 
are sort of later selections where they can use back-end picks to, to pick them up should they deem them, um, you know, worthy of being selected. Because one thing we do know about the Hawks with their father-sons is there's no, there's no romance or anything involved. They just pick the best available player. And we've passed on Kalsha's older brother, Harry, in the past who ended up playing a little bit of uh, football, like Rezzy's football at Adelaide. Um, and yeah, they, they're happy to overlook if the player isn't, uh, isn't deemed uh, on, on their big board high enough up their rankings. Yes, and of course, uh, buried in the fine print of Damien Barrett's first column back for AFL.com.au this year, Brad, uh, was the throwaway line that Hawthorne might yet lose draft picks as a sanction from the uh, cultural uh, inquiry that's taking place at the moment. Yes, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that that's just classic uh, demo. Good friend of mine, demo. But yeah, that was a bit, I don't know, a bit uh, not controversial. But I think mischievous. Yeah, I think he's trying to get a few clicks to start uh, the season. I don't think draft picks will happen. I'd say a fine is more likely. So I think the results of the findings, as you might know, I think they do to be released the end of February. Yeah, so in your dreams. Going to be interesting. In Gil, yeah, in Gil's be, dreams. That's not yeah. happening. It's not going to happen for a while. I doubt it's going to happen before he finishes up in the middle in April, of yeah. April. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, yeah, I think certainly I don't think there'll be any sanction. It, I think it's more likely to be a financial sanction than draft picks. Certainly, the only way draft picks will come into play is if it is found that the the, the alleged uh, perpetrators at Hawthorne uh, were in fact found to have, have done some very uh, done what they've been accused of. That may open up the that may open up the possibility of draft choices. But as I've said, and we're not going to dwell too much on that until we've got news to report. It's going to be very very hard to have conclusive findings out of this whole uh, out of this whole saga which makes the prospect of Hawthorne losing any draft picks out of it quite remote, I would say. Okay, a couple of um, a couple of uh, injury bits I want to get to quickly, and then we'll get to you, Patrick. Um, Josh Morris on his Instagram, I believe it was, had a picture of himself in hospital uh, with what looks like it's been the full shoulder reconstruction. And... Then uh, we saw on social media someone uh, put a picture up of uh, Jai Sarong on crutches. Do we have any updates on those at all, Darren? Well, I heard Sarong it was a, a apparent ankle injury, so it's never good when a player leaves the field on crutches. And just really hope he has a speedy recovery because he he's one player that I was expecting to break through, especially at the start of the year, given our forward line sort of. Well, new look forward line and the opportunities presented there. Um, you know, wishing Josh Morris well, but that just kind of reminded me that Josh Morris was still playing for the Hawthorne Footy Club. I hate to say oh, it. Oh, you're a very hard man. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> not great news for Tank Morris. We see him, what, is, uh, what was the year that he needs to put uh, a fair a bit of form together. Yeah, and with all due respect, I uh, I agree with Darren entirely. I mean, if he had been cut last at the end of last season, he'd be a player that you just would somewhat have expected it and go, oh, what could have been? So it looks like that's going to be even more the case because, uh, yeah, I think he's going to struggle to get a gig post this season. All right. Uh, Patrick, good evening. You've got a question for us. 
I was just going to say, I don't think you'd lose draft picks because I think Damo also said in the AFL daily podcast he doesn't expect Clarko or anyone to get sanctioned. So surely you couldn't get rid of a club's draft pick and not get rid of the, like, sanction the coach who was the alleged person who was mainly behind it. Well, I think that's right. Uh, if they can't prove anything that uh, would require the uh, sanctions against uh, Clarkson or Chris Hagen, then certainly uh, it'd be hard to mount a case where, but hang on, what you guys are safe, but we'll just penalise the club. There would be an absolute uproar. I think we have to bring Jeff Kennett back for that, uh, if that was to happen. I think that uh, you'd, need, uh, you'd need Jeff Kennett making a huge noise, and dance about that one, if that was to be the case. But uh, we wait and see. Uh, it has gone very, very quiet. I mean, even as a week ago, it reported that Clarkson hadn't been uh, hadn't uh, been spoken to yet. So, as I said, this thing is dragging on for a very long period of time, and there was uh, major uh, the the AFL hopes of having this wrapped up uh, by um, Christmas was was far school. And as I said, I, I suspect I'll be hanging over the head of whoever it is is appointed as the new chief executive to replace Phil McLaughlin, which will be one of you would think Andrew Dillon or Brendan Gale, I think they look like they're the clubhouse leaders at the moment. Hello, Simon Morris. Good evening. Evening. Thanks for having me. How's football? Uh, a bit of a frustrating defeat tonight, so I'm, I'm ready to vent. Right, well, you jump in and vent any time you like. Okay, last bit of uh, news you want to get to from the Hawks before I throw pose a couple of questions for the panel and for, of course, everybody who's uh, on the spaces tonight was the... Marvellous news that uh, the great Peter Havey, the Hawthorne official historian and the curator of the Hawks Museum, um, was awarded the Jack Titus Medal by the AFL for service to the game. It is a fantastic... uh, I wouldn't say long overdue because there's a lot of very worthy people in that level of footy clubs who uh, are worthy of such an honour, but just great for Peter that he got it. Peter is uh, a wonderful man. He is a walking breathing encyclopedia of Hawthorne. I would like to think that most people listening to this space tonight or to the podcast have spent some time in the Hawks Museum uh, and found it to be the most wonderful place. You could lose yourself for an hour. You could lose yourself there for an entire day. Such is the uh, what's on display there. It is clearly the best museum of its type in the AFL. The first AFL club museum to be officially... Uh, recognised as a museum, I think, by Museums Australia. Um, it is a museum by which other clubs are measured and they've made they've used every square inch, um, Andrew, of the space they have at Waverley and uh, which can only make us imagine what they'll come up, what they'll create when they actually have lots of room out of Dingley in the next couple of years. Yeah, spot on, Ash. And obviously, you you wrote the great article that is was somewhat of a tribute to some of the stuff that he's done, and and really good recognition. And as as you said, I mean, as a club, we've been at times over the last forty, fifty years the envy of the competition. And when it comes to our history and the preservation of it, uh, he's been ultimately responsible and done an incredible job. And actually, I was thinking about it as you. As you, um, as you mentioned some of that 
Ash in terms of the museum being the envy of the club. Every time I go out to meet with uh, the SMJFL down at RSEA Park, I think I send you guys <laughs> via WhatsApp a photo of their um, of their museum, uh, which is yeah uh, about. Uh, one meter by three meter, little nothing. Um, but yeah, what he has done for the club has been incredible, and and due recognition that that uh, as you wrote about deserves to be celebrated. You with us, Ash? Sorry, uh, yeah. I I strongly encourage those who. Uh... Who um, aren't or who who's in the podcast become a friend of the Hawks Museum uh, for twenty twenty five bucks a year. I know we all give uh, lots of money to the footy club through various memberships, but the Hawks Museum is a wonderful uh, part of the footy club. They have a couple of great functions and good publications as well. And as I said, I'm not sure. I suspect it'll be closed for a couple of years. While even when I first relocate to Dingley, I can't imagine that the museum will be open straight away but what they I'm sure what they will create once it's open will be pretty special and again worth making the journey out there okay so I had question with notice for you all and a question without notice which is the part I really enjoy um, for the next little while before we wrap up um, my question with notice was the intra-club game is on Wednesday at 5 o'clock at La Trobe University look forward to seeing as many of you out there as possible if you do so me or D- I think D- Prince and I are going to be there for sure. Uh, if you do see us, please come up and say hello. Uh, it would be great to meet as many of you as we can in person. Daniel will be probably standing with the coaches moving the uh, whiteboard around, but uh, I'll be hanging around to the boundary line somewhere. So what matchups do we want to see? And this is not just for the sort of, sort of the, both for the theatre of it, but also because you want to learn about players. I want you to go around and ask each of you, one or two matchups. If you were picking the team at the intra-club game, and this is match sim ramped up a bit, there'll be AFL umpires there, and it may be uh, probable versus possibles, but there's the Hawthorne tradition usually to split them up, or the players will change teams through the course of the game. Um, I want some matchups that you want to see take place in this game on Wednesday afternoon. Start with you, Darren. Well, the obvious one, James Sicily and Sammy Butler. Yes. Just going head to head. <laughs> we, didn't, we never got the result of the golf game that they put out on Instagram, so I'll have to find out who won the golf game. Um, but, yeah, I guess, I guess a serious one. Just looking forward to to some of those. The, uh, midfield, I don't think, is sort of locked in for round one, so just looking forward to, you know, a Cooper Stevens and maybe Josh Ward mashup, um, match-up. Or a Warpool and um, and Jai matchup. Um, so yeah, those midfield duels are going to be pretty telling for I guess who who lines up in round one. Well, Cooper Stevens and Connor Nash has done them because they're both sort of in the running for that taller midfielder as well. But uh, to try and get rid of sort of the you know a bit of a, a change up from the sort of little blokes that run through there, the taller ones as well. What about you, uh, Brad? Yeah, Ned Long probably in the mix there as well. Yeah, that's right. Brad, what would you like to see? Yeah, similar to. Uh, Daz, I reckon uh, Cooper Stevens and Connor Nash are probably fighting for that last spot for round one. I think Warple will get given, you know, first crack. Josh Ward will be there. Jai will obviously be there. 
I reckon Cam McKenzie and Josh Weddle, there was a piece in on AFL.com.au by Josh Gavlich today saying that those two are looking likely to play, which means one of Stevens and Nash are probably going to miss out for round one. Uh, the ruck battle is going to be very uh, interesting. We've touched on that the last couple of weeks. One of Max Lynch or Ned Reeves is going to miss uh, round one. I think Lloyd Meek is locked in as the number one. So I reckon that's a good draw. I'd like to see Denver Granger Barras. He's probably going to, you know, play on a Cozzy. Um, you know, Blank or him will probably play on Cozzy. But I reckon it'd be good to see how he's gone. We haven't really heard much of him in the preseason. You know, uh, has he put on size? You know, uh, how's his tank improved? Nine, nine uh, kilos, apparently. Said he put on nine kilos, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully this is his breakout season, year three in the system for Denver. Will be good to see. Uh, the small forwards as well, you know, Sam Butler, uh, Tyler Brockman, one of them is probably going to have to play on Blake Hardwick in the practice game, and Ness Hardwick plays on Bruce. I reckon that'd be a great uh, matchup to watch. So you boys are lucky. It's going to be great to see next week. But yeah, there's still, as we've spoken about the last few weeks, I reckon there's seven or eight spots up for grabs for the round one team. Mara, what have we got to see? It would be great if Brad hadn't just gone through the entire list just then. Um, but... So simple. <laughs> but uh, you're absolutely right. I, I think we've got one of the more fluid um, 23s in the league. We've got lots of players um, vying for not a lot of spots. And so it's going to be really, really actually quite a hard-fought match. Sim. Um, a lot of the players that you've mentioned, the, the, the sort of players who are battling for spots in the 23, they're obviously going to be very interesting. Um, but I'm also um, interested to know where we use Weddle because um, apparently he's a bit of a utility who can go in various different positions. So I'd love to know where we try him first and what, what the um, sort of the secondary positions for him are. Um, also, yeah, very interested in, in Granger Barras. Um, he just has to have a good year. I think he's really got to show something. So I, uh, our forward line's pretty... Pretty ordinary. I don't think it's. Um, I don't think that's a revolutionary statement. So if he leaks goals against us, then he's in real trouble for the rest of the season. So I'd like to see him absolutely blanket someone. Well, you should give us the starting six forwards for an intra club game for each team. Do we have? Are there oh. twelve players? Well, so this is. This is, I mean, one of the, you've got the what would you like to see and the what are you looking forward to see. Definitely the forward line side of things is one of my, I can't wait to see what's going to happen and who, which key defenders are used as key forwards. So, you know, we've talked about Frost playing up forward. There's been some murmurings in the last week that... um James Blank has done a fair bit of training up forward and, and goal kicking as well. So um, it's it's impossible to say when you've got uh, 12 players that you're talking about and are they playing A versus B or the mix, Ash, to go through specific sixes. But for me, definitely um, which key defenders are going to be playing in key forward roles. Um, some of the other things, I think, that, I think the ruck duel... Um, as Brad mentioned, really, really keen to see that. And and then some, what would you like to see? Um, Mara mentioned Weddle. I'd love to see Weddle play on Carl Amon on a wing. Just start on a wing, uh, get him 
running, following, learning, and at the same time seeing clearly his engine's up to it, um, what it's going to be like going side by side with with a a great user of the ball, such as uh, Carl. Um, And then the other thing that I reckon would be nice, um, Jarman Impey has had a quiet couple of years. Wouldn't mind seeing him on a half-back flank directly opposed to Chad Wingard. I think that would be a nice little tasty jewel to to see. I'm looking forward to seeing where they play. Where if Bramble, you know, is he half back or is he going to be a genuine sort of? They push him up the ground. And Morrison might obviously won't play in this game, so they've got to find uh, they've got to find four wins. So you would think that um, you know this might be. Do we see Will Day as an inside midfielder or as an outside midfielder? Is he part of that inside mid mix where he's he's certainly been trolled? Through the preseason, yeah, the forward line's going to be really fascinating to see how <laughs> how they come up with uh, how they come up with uh, twelve or so forwards. I mean, who, who's going to play there? The rucks will be interesting. I mean, do they? Do, is it uh, is it Meek and uh, Meek v Meek and Rees on different teams? Does Rams it want to do with Rams? And that's when they chop and change it. Rucks is often something that I'll change in the over the course of the game. They might try different combinations. On the same team for a while, but love to see what they do when they're not rucking. What do they do with? Uh, does Ramsden play back or forward when he's not in the ruck? And, and same with Meek. You know, who goes? Who can go down and clunk a mark and kick a goal? Which what they're going to need there? They're going to need their big boys to do that, especially until Lewis returns. So that, there's a whole lot of little things that uh, to, to look forward to. Uh, and according according to um, Brenton in, um, in commenting. Uh, in the space, he said that Lockie Bramble let slip that Jack has been doing a lot of training up forward as well. So we could probably expect to see him lining up in one of those forward lines also. Yeah, although yeah, well, Jack did look good as a defender last year. So that's a lot to a lot to look forward to um, in terms of how they line up. And uh, you know, the, the key to look at these games is almost at the start of every quarter to sort of make notes who's who's playing where. That they certainly will chop and change. So that is something to look forward to. Five o'clock with Trove University uh, on Wednesday. We'll have some sort of report overnight or first thing the following morning and then we will break it down as best we can on the spaces next Thursday. So now my question without notice for you gentlemen. Don't forget if you have any questions please fire up and uh, put your hand up we'll get, we'll get you on. Um, the question I have for all of you Without notice, this is the fun part for me, is with Jack Gunston gone and putting aside Luke Bruce for one second, I want you to each nominate who is the Hawthorne forward that you would have kicking for your life? Or which Hawthorne player would you like having kicking for your life? And you've got to do uh, from 40 metres out, straight in front, and then from a, from a forward pocket, from some sort of angle. So I want to go around and get each of you to tell me who would you have kicking for your life and making it harder for you by, by excluding Luke Bruce? Weesey, over to you. Oh, that was clearly a case of don't pick me first, don't pick me first, don't pick me first, don't pick me first. But you have. Um, it's a good question. We're talking about a set shot at goal as opposed a set shot to at goal. finding yeah. someone, finding a target. No, I, I'm ready to go, we see if you need oh, more Oh, I've got a feeling you might be bringing Maury into the conversation, but go for it, Daz. No, it's Chad. It's, it's Chad. And it, I, 
Ch- Chad's a, a really reliable set shot. Not only that, I remember we interviewed him for the Golden Years podcast uh, a while back, and he said how much he he wanted the footy in his hands in the last kind of few minutes of that game. And, uh, you know, we're, us mere mortals, the, the thought of that was just terrifying. But Chad, I think, embraces the moment. And if, the, if there's anyone kicking for my life, it's Chad. Okay. No pressure. So that's Chad. from in front. What about from an angle? Oh, Chad. <laughs> Again. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I'll get back to you, Lucy. You can have time to think about it. Clearly, it's a very complicated question for you. Brad? Brad? We're just a bit muffly there, Brad. Just a bit muffly there. Can you hear me now? I was going to say Dylan Moore from a set shot and Chad from an angle. If uh, McAvoy was still in the team, I'd put him as the set shot. He had a beautiful McAvoy set a shot for goal. Yeah. But, yeah, I'd go Dylan Moore set shot and Chad from the angle. Moore? Um. If I can pinpoint a player and a knight, I'll take Mitch Lewis from that night at Port Adelaide. Yes, but uh, it's from straight in front. Or... But I can't do that. Uh, I'll give you Mitch Lewis. Yeah, I, I, I'll back him in. Mitch Lewis, okay. Uh, Daddy? Uh, set shot, I'm going to go with the future skipper, James Sicily. Really? He missed uh, a terrible shot anything. last year. Yeah, that was in. He was that in Tassie? That was the Essendon game. I wasn't at the Essendon yeah, game. The Essendon game. He missed a. He missed yeah. a shot just when they needed a goal. Shocking. He's erratic. Yeah, I would have. He ran him so. He was so <laughs> lazy. Takes one miss. Like, he's erratic. I would have to show you a fit anymore. Well, that's all right because it's my choice. So <laughs> um, <laughs> bang. <laughs> um, and from the from the pocket, I'd take I'd take Chad for sure. All right, we see. Uh, I think it's Dylan Moore. Like, I mean, he's the first person that sprung to mind, um, except uh, the the reasons behind Chad. Um, but Dylan Moore, I'm I'm giving it to him. Who who are you? I think. Uh, uh, can I... No one said. Uh, no one said Kaczynski. He's got to get the ball first. For good reason. <laughs> Very harsh. Uh, I think a, a smoky though, Fergus Green. He was an absolute dead eye for the for Box Hill past couple of years. So that's actually a great shout. He's I'd, a, I'd like to see a bit of AFL think, footy before yeah. I bet my entire life on him. But um, Emerson Jack is a beautiful kick of the footy as well. That's very fair. true. Very true. I uh, I quite like uh, the Chad from straight in front, and I like Mitch Lewis from an angle. That would be my nomination. Um, I'll talk more questions. I'm going to wrap it up early tonight. It's a long season, and uh, we're going to have nights where we're going to be banging on for close to an hour and a half because things are going to come through the course of the season. But given uh, there's a relative uh, pause, there was lots of little bits of news around, but nothing too uh, consequential. So we're going to have an early exit to the space tonight. Um, so... Don't forget uh, to look out for the Peter Burge interview, which will drop on through our podcast channels sometime early next week. You can listen to it in the lead-up to the intra-club game and join us once again next Thursday night as we wrap up the intra-club game and all the news out of the Hawks. And uh, 
Yes, and also we've got a, a good chat coming with Paul Salmon, which I think will be a – is it going to be a podcast or just a, a story? Uh, I think we're going to be uh, releasing it as both. Uh, so initially well, the, the story focuses on uh, the pre-season – the old pre-season cup competitions uh, and Fish won the Michael Tuck medal in the 1999 win against the Power. So we'll be speaking to him about... Oh, and, and, and haven't we got a surprise in the story? A couple of pictures that are going to be dropped in the story. <laughs> no, I'm not sure we'll get around to that, Ash. But, no, uh, I certainly will be getting in. I think we will. I think it will get in a couple of photos, uh, certain incriminating photos of uh, one of the Hawks insiders at... Uh, at a night grand final, might just get around. So uh, you can all look out for that because we'll have the final say in the edit. So uh, that will be loads of fun. Any other housekeeping, Lisa, before we go? I think that's it. We've got a lot of content planned for the next few weeks. So again, thanks to everyone who has subscribed or is listening in to the spaces or the pods. And yeah, keep tuned um, if you're not subscribed, take out a subscription now and support all the work we're doing. But really looking forward to the amount of content we've got planned for the next few weeks leading into round one. You can smell the liniment in the air. So thank you to everyone for joining us. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Darren. Thank you, Weesey. My closing thought for tonight is your homework, everybody who's on the um, spaces on the podcast is to grab your copy of the AFL record season guide, which is uh, out now in all good outlets for thirty nine ninety five. And as you ponder the prospect of of Hawthorne uh, finishing bottom and getting Harley Reid to the football club, just go through the season guide and look up how many number one draft picks uh, uh, came to a club that finished on the bottom and ended up playing in a premiership for that club. Something to think about uh, before you get too excited about the prospect of Harley Reid joining Hawthorne. Back to the spaces. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, ponder that question. We'll get back to you about it all next week. Have a really good week, everyone, and thanks for joining us. And thanks for being part of Hawks Insiders. Good night. <laughs>